nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show. Meet Nathan Ginn here on Teachers Talk Radio. And tonight we are joined by TES Head Teacher of the Year, Arthur Bazzi from Heron Hall Academy in Enfield. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be recognised at a national level, what it's like at his school, Heron Hall, a little bit about the man himself and his educational and leadership philosophy. Tune in, talk it out. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Borodar Pab, Chrysoi Abatawi. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. Um, and yeah, it is summer, hopefully summer for all. I think we've been through all the Teachers Talk Radio stuff. I think everyone is now on their summer holidays. Apologies if you are out there teaching and you're still plugging away. It must be getting hard. I am, as always, in sunny South Wales. And you can tell it's sunny South Wales and the holidays are here because I am seeing caravan after caravan flooding down to the beaches. It gets busy here. I have to go somewhere else to go for my weekly runs, uh, you know, get off the beaten track and away from the uh, the tourist hotspots because, yep, summer is here and hopefully everyone is relaxed and starting to enjoy themselves over that kind of end of year slump. We're here. Well, we are joined by a great guest today it is the times education supplement head teacher of the year uh arthur bazzi now i think arthur's with us arthur are you there hello hello yeah you're coming through loud and clear um, how are you welcome to teach School radio oh thank you very much thanks for having me it's, it's, it's a privilege having me on your on your show thank you very much not well, it's as I said, you know, an absolute pleasure. And I'm really interested to talk to you because I think, you know, I, I don't want to preempt too much, but I've seen some interviews, heard some of the things, you know, the, the press releases um, sort of from the award ceremony. And obviously, you know, I've, I've been trawling around your uh, school website as well. And I think there's going to be some really interesting bits that people are really going to kind of want to hear about. I've also noticed on a few little clips and bits and pieces that you are fond of a quote, which I am as well, love a quote. So I'm looking forward to hearing some of those bits and pieces and just finding out a little bit about um, yourself. Now, um, when we start off, um, you know, let's talk straight away, get the, you know, the, the, the headline out of the way. The TES Award, Head Teacher of the Year. How did that feel? Uh, to be honest, um, even though I'm just trying to get to to accept the 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 title that goes with it. I mean, to be honest, it was gratifying, but um, humbling at the same time. Um, accolade, accolades like this don't come into the profession all the time, especially I don't think for people like myself. Um, but to to be in a position where you are accorded such an accolade, um, it's it's gratifying. But the more more importantly, it's it's not it's not a personal accolade. For me, it's actually just a testimony to the hard work, the dedication put in by the students, the parents, and most importantly, the staff. 
It was a school itself, a field that was being recognized for the diligent service of, of giving to these young people. Um, the, the award belongs not just to me, but to the staff of Heronall and for their relentless and unwavering efforts in the drive to make a difference for children. You see, what we have in Heronall is a family. So I receive that award on behalf of the family. Yes, it does feel good, but it was not just for me, it was for the whole family. I, you know, I love that. And that, you know, I, I did want to ask at some point this kind of, you know, and I guess we'll get a feel for you as a, as a person and as a leader as you go through. And about that, some people uh, in some professions, and I, I don't think this is true of teaching probably for anyone, but they, you know, they go for an award. We, we, was it something that you you knew about, you wanted to go for? Was it a complete surprise? Well, to be honest, it was a complete surprise to me because like I alluded to, I really did not come into the teaching profession to gain awards and accolades. I came with a drive and intention to, to try to make a difference. And I, do, I wasn't even aware that I was input up for the award. It was after um, the submission has been done that I was actually shown the submission that was done by parents, by students and by staff. So it was, I was completely oblivious to the whole things. You see, Nathan, to be honest, I go in day in and I graft hard, like I believe all other teachers do. And I try to do, have that moral obligation every day to try to make a difference. So my recognition, to be honest, and my satisfaction come from seeing the transformation of my children, the children of the family, from young 11-year-old to 16-year-old young adults, all ready to take up the challenges that life holds for them. That for me is a gratifying element of being a teacher every day. So I was not expecting it. Um, it's humbling, it's gratifying, but I'm a humble servant. And if you do a job and somebody else out there recognize you're doing well, I think we need to get into the position where we have to appreciate praise. Because to be honest, a head teacher, if it goes wrong in the school, you're the first whose head is on the chopping block. So as my staff was saying to me, the praise is due to you. I think, well, not really, because to be honest, they are the one within the hard grafting every day. I believe in them. We believe in the children. And once belief is there, there's no there's no mountain you can't climb. So yeah, it was a complete surprise to me, but still, it was gratifying. And what was the response at school like from those parents, those pupils, maybe the governors who've nominated you when it you know when it was announced that you had won? What was that response like? Oh, it was it was overwhelming. Um, they were very proud. The staff, the students, the parents alike, the governors, the trustee. They, I mean, the congratulations still keep pouring in. And to be honest, I walked into school at seven a.m. on the Monday, as I do every day, um, and the day a Monday after the award. And I walked into the building, and there were bulletins and congratulatory message all over the place. I'm saying, hold on, I'm here at seven o'clock in the morning. This award took place on a Friday. Who was here to put this up? And no one knew I was going to win anyway. But some people have made the effort to come in there early and they have flags and bontings congratulations all over the reception. I walked into my leadership team meeting, 8 a.m. on a Monday. I've briefing every month with my leadership team. And the team had a red carpet laid out for me. 20 minutes later, I walked into the staff room for my normal all-staff briefing. And the staff were there as well, another red carpet. 
you know, with party poppers all over the place, um, the clapping, parents coming to school. So it was, it was good, it was a good feeling. But the fact is that the, the recognition that the school get for the hard work was being celebrated by all, and it has never stopped. I walk into the playground, the students are clapping all over the place, give me a pat on the backs. And the most important thing which touched my heart when students come up to me and say, oh, Mr. Buzz, you are so proud of you. I'm thinking, hold on, that's my line. You know, mm-hmm. I should be telling them I'm proud of them. But they say, you know, sir, we're proud of you. But to be honest, that did not stop a few of them getting detention the same day anyway. That never stops. Um, is you know it does sound and you know I've seen this when you've spoken before and I've seen um, you know some of the the information that's come out sort of from your your school website from the thing it does feel um, a warm family um, you know I don't know maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on when we talk about the school I'm really interested to hear about your um, your kind of how you are uh, doing the things you're doing at uh, Heron Hall. But before we do, let's rewind kind of all the way back, if we can, and, you know, talk about your journey into becoming a teacher, obviously a head teacher now, but what was the thing that then got you into education to start with? Right. Um, it's a long story, but I'll try to keep it as such as possible. Um, you see, I grew up um, seeing my mother, who was a midwife, giving up a time and resources provided, providing free prenatal and postnatal care and the appreciation she received. She did not get it back in terms of money, but people are always coming back to us, being grateful for the support she's giving to them. And I thought, you know what? When I grow up, I want to be in a service where I will have a direct impact on the end user, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I want to be be involved in the job where I, I can see the impact of what I actually do and people show that appreciation. Um, it might sound very cliche, but I had the science teacher, uh, Mr. Puli Prata, I can remember him, him very clearly, who will walk into the classroom every day, will shot around the classroom and deliver science topics off the cuff. There's nothing I've never seen. And that got me thinking. I thought, you know what? That's what I like to do. I like to be in a position where I'm teaching, I'm imparting knowledge as my teacher's doing, I'm having direct impact on children. That was my dream. But you see, I don't know whether you know this, but it is very common among African parents um, that if you're not a doctor or lawyer or, or something of the like, that you're seen as a failure. So I had a scholarship to go to university to study biological sciences and a postgraduate um, um, education in, in, in Sierra Leone. Um, I finished my, my course and to satisfy my parents, I was strong enough in my qualification to gain um, a scholarship to go to Bulgaria to study medicine because that was my parents' intention. However, the boards I received in teacher training was not the same I received when I was in medical training. And the connection with children in the classroom did not feel the same for me <clears throat> as the connection with, with patients. So um, this break my parents had, but I gave up the stethoscope and I picked up the chalk, in this case, the whiteboard. So <clears throat> I then decided teaching is the thing I want to be. Um, when I started here, I studied, I did my postgraduate again at um, um, King's College London. My tutor can remember very clearly, she said to me, he said, Arthur, 
said, um, she said, you'll make a very good teacher. Say, but don't find a school. Let a school find you. Said, if you can, go around, do some supply teaching, and let the school find you. So I did. I went into very affluent schools. I just didn't feel it. You know, I went to grammar school, supply teaching. I didn't feel it. I walk into a school in North London. It was a jungle. Seriously, Nathan. There were police cars there every day, fights every day. I walked into that school and I stayed there for 21 years because I felt wow. this is the place I had to be. Wow. You know, I, I don't know. I can relate to that feeling. You know, I, I myself, I, I work predominantly or I feel my calling or my, my connection or whatever it is, you know, that we, we call it with um, areas where there are deprivation, areas where there are disadvantage. You know, I'm currently in, in South Wales where there is, you know, some significant um, deprivation. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, my question would be, and, and I, I, I wonder about this, this for you, because my educational experience, I didn't enjoy school. And so I want to make school better for, for people, I guess, who were like me. That, that's part of mine. What were you like as a student? Did you, did you enjoy school? Did you, did you hate it? Was it something you tolerated? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to sound quite a nerd now for saying this. I might regret that for the rest of my life. But <laughs> to be honest, school days were the best days of my life. Well, actually, yeah. second best, university days. I mean, what I, say, I think essentially I love the old element of learning. I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I had fantastic teachers. They were strict but very fun. And I went to school, Nathan, in those days where the old phrase of spear the rod, spoil the child, it was very much in effect. So the rod was used. So I don't like it being, being beaten. So I studied hard and I had decent grades. But I love studying. Besides, what it meant that if I buried my face in the books, I don't have to do any household chores. My older siblings were doing that. So the books were quite a good escape for me. But I did enjoy the whole schooling. So my experience of, of schooling back in Africa was fantastic. And and there are times when I struggle, when I started my teaching profession here, to see the lack of engagement in students and why they don't understand how education can open the door for them, the difference it can make. But um, it's, it's a different philosophy back there in Africa towards here. But that is the kind of philosophy I still carry with me. And I don't take failure as an answer for any child that's under my care because I think education, I know education has improved my life chances. And so would that then be sort of part of what you're, you're looking to instill in the children then, part of your education ethos, that, that it's, it's transformatory, it can, it can change your life, it can improve your life. Uh, is, is that what you're looking to do? Well, you say, I, I don't want to sound like some hero head teacher. And um, to be honest, I, I kind of shy away from the word transformational leadership because it just sounds as if you have the power to, to make it happen. Mm. You know, it has a place, but I see myself more as a servant leader. My ethos is servant leadership. It's leading by serving. You see, I believe that such is the nature of the institution of education that some must of necessity lead and teach, others must of course learn, submit and obey. But humility in each, either 
as a teacher and as a learner is an essential qualification. So I'm very humble about what I have and what I have to impart. So that is how I carry my daily life. I carry my daily life as a servant. It's not uncommon to see me picking up the broom after lunch, cleaning the, 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 the canteen. It's a usual sight. The one place you will never find me during the school day is my office because I'm all over the school, in classrooms, with the students, lunchtime duties, break time duty. That's me. I'm there to serve. So the word transformation, if in the process of being a servant to the student, I'm able to embed those qualities, those transformative qualities that makes a difference in the life that going to make him a better, a better person, then you know what? My job is done. But that really is how I see myself, trying to make a difference by being a servant, by providing the kind of support every child is, because every child does matter, but their needs vary. Unless you build those relationships with them, try to know what, they, what makes them tick, try to know the story, you cannot support them. So that essentially is my philosophy. Um, and, you know, we've talked a little bit there about the sort of journey into teaching where, you know, that came from finding your kind of feet, your, your, your first school, your calling, all of those things. And then at some point, <laughs> you, you've made the decision to step up to become, you know, into leadership, to become a head teacher. Was that a deliberate choice? Was it something that happened? Um, to, be, to be frank, it was not a deliberate choice, because like I said, <clears throat> When I joined um, the schooling of London, it was a rough school. And I thought I had a mission here. I had to leave my own form of a legacy, which is try to do the very best I can for kids who are disadvantaged. So because I went in there with that kind of mindset, my attitude was just to give my 110%. And I did that then people saw quality, I suppose, they saw potential, and they put other opportunities in my way. So in two years time, I was acting in the department, in three years, I was head of science department. So the opportunity just keep, keep, keep coming my way. Um, the whole idea of being a head teacher actually dawned on me when I realized that there is a poor representation of, of um, students that I teach within leadership in schools around the country. You know, so I know I wanted therefore to where I can increase that representation at that top level. I wanted to be in a position where I could be part of the change that I would like to see. I wanted students from other ethnicities who feel marginalized to see me and believe that they can even achieve better. I wanted to be in a position where I can cater also for those from the um, um, poor socioeconomic background. So they can see that nothing could stop them from breaking stereotypes, smashing glass ceilings. I wanted other educators from black and other ethnicities to believe and be confident that what they have is enough to be at the top. And I believe that if I get there, maybe I can be that model for some other educators and for some students. So I didn't set out to do that, but that became something I had to do for those reasons which I think I've articulated earlier.
Yeah. And is that something that you are still sort of actively doing? You still, you know, making sure that that ladder goes back down for want of a better word, or, you know, you're, you're helping other people rise up as a leader. Is it something you make a deliberate choice to do sort of in your daily or weekly life? Yeah, yes, I do. I do that at every level. And to be honest, I do believe that my school is where it is, especially because of that, because, um, I do believe in building responsibility around me. I did say that, you know, I stand tall because I stand on the shoulders of giants. The team around me, I'm talking not just my leadership team, not just the middle leaders, I'm talking the teachers, are people who are invest in them, in their own professional development. Because if you invest in them, they invest in the children, it's happy days for everyone. But I'm also very passionate about people of, um, other ethnic minorities gaining going to positions of responsibility within my school as long as they're capable you know i want to promote them because i want to see all the students can st step into the classroom they can see the head of the department as an ethnic origin that they can relate to they start to think well if this person from that part of the world can be that so can i so I do invest in that and do try to encourage that. But that also goes all the way down to my students. So, I mean, things that I do, I'm sure that not just specific to my school, but run things like the, the Brilliant Club, where to take my students to Cambridge, to Oxford University, and we have um, undergraduates coming to work with them on 2,000, 3,000 words essay on things like neural, neural pathways in year nine. This is to tell this, this student that you know, this Red Brick University, you belong to them. If you want it, you can have it. So I try to, to enthuse my staff, enthuse my students that stereotypes and barriers, they're there exactly for that. They're there to be smashed. And that is what I encourage in the school. And, oh, sorry, I drifted away into, like, the, the, the it's so, you know, I, I'm enjoying this. Sorry, I like, I was listening, making notes, and, and so very inspirational, I would say you are, and maybe this is part of where the, the award goes, and, and you can shrug that off if you like, and, and, and say, but, you know, hearing you talk about education, and, and I imagine those, those, um, uh, middle leaders or even younger teachers coming through looking up to you um, would say the same. We've had a message in saying, um, as a member of staff, uh, Arthur's leadership is inspirational. You see students, staff and the community grow under his leadership. And I can I, I can fully believe that hearing you talk. But who inspires you? Where do you look up to? Uh, where do you go for support? <laughs> well, um the, 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 the two parts of that question, in terms of inspiration, to be honest with you, uh, I, I don't, uh, I hope this is, doesn't um, come out the wrong way. I don't actually look up for inspiration, I look down. Whether I mean I look down, I look to my children for inspiration. The challenge of, a, of an inner city London school, especially in an area where there's high crime rate, um, um, high socioeconomic deprivation, it's all well documented, and that's where my school is based. But what is not so well documented is how a significant majority of these students are talented and driven, and given the right support, they can achieve just as well as children from more privileged backgrounds. Now, that transition and the challenges it brings is what keeps me inspired every day. 
the difference, the need to be a difference and to make a difference. And when it all comes together, when you see the parents, the students, and the teacher all huddled together, all huddled together in, in tears of joy, there can be no better feeling. So that's really is my inspiration, to see a challenging student come into school, to meet the parents, and for you to realize that for some of these students, we don't just make the difference, we are the difference full stop. And to see the child every day progress, transform, and become better, that is what inspires me. And how about sort of, do, are there people in education that you mm -hmm. look up to, or maybe not even in well, education, maybe leaders of industry that you, you know, sort of look to for your leadership style or, you know, do you get that from somewhere else? Well, to, to be, um, that, that's a good question. Um, somebody who I've always looked up to and for the past 15 years or so, um, it's a lady called Dim John McVitie. Um, she's still my mentor. I worked with her for 10 years and I was a deputy and I succeeded her when she retired as head teacher. As a matter of fact, um, it was in this same school I mentioned earlier where we met. And it was a work we did at that school where she got recognition and received a, a demo. Um, she is the kind of person who will as instill confidence and believe in me. Um, she was the head of ASCO at one point in time. I went there, they, they had the conference and he, he asked me to, she asked me to come down to the conference um, for, the, for the meeting of the, of the governing body. And he said, I'll be there, but just come through. And so when I got there and somebody said, um, are you Dim Jones' um, guest? And I said, how do you know? And she said, well, Dim Jones said, when Arthur comes here, you'll know. Because you know what, Nathan? I was the only black man among all those people there. And okay. that lady had enough confidence in me to say, Arthur, you earn your place at the table. You can come and sit down. And that was a message to me. That lady instilled confidence in me that what I have is enough. And that is the same message I try to give to staff, especially people of my color, to say, what you have is enough. You don't need to look up. But she's always there. What she hasn't got an answer for, she knows somebody who has the answer for that. She's always at the end of the line. But in addition to that, she been my mentor. I must I can't go without men mentioning um my CEO, um Marino Charalambos. Um he was the one who offered me the opportunity in the school Heronol Academy, and he's been a great supporter. Um, when I applied for the job, he did tell me the, the panel was very, very strong and some had years of experience above me, but he believed in what I represented. And he has been a strong supporter. As a matter of fact, today, just today, with his support, we just filled up a whole container of teaching resources to be shipped to a twinage school in Sierra Leone. Interactive whiteboards, exercise book, paid for by Heronol. That's how much it believes in what I'm trying to do. How it, you know, it, it, it sounds, um, I, I, there's something about the way you describe your journey, the way you are describing journeys for the, for the people who you are um, supporting, whether they be teachers or young people. And it feels 
uh, honest and it, it somehow feels um, I, I, I can't quite put my finger on the word for it but maybe maybe when you say that you know that humble service um that, that you talk about this idea that it is just you know helping and doing the right things and and good things paying off because people are doing good work and it really does seem like that um we've had another message in uh, that just says um arthur was my teacher he was an outstanding teacher inspired me to go into teaching uh, he ended up being my line manager when i was ahead of year he was a great line manager, great person to work with slash four. That was from, uh, it says Liam there. Um, uh, you know, and, and we have found out, and I think it's given people really like a, a solid understanding of kind of where you are coming from, what you are saying. What I want to do is pop to a couple of advert breaks. And when we come back, I want to hear more about Heron Hall itself, if that's okay. Uh, and it, maybe if we can, you know, see how much of you is reflected in Heron Hall, what are the things that are going on at Heron Hall that make it maybe different? Is that okay? That's fine, Liam. That's fine. Fantastic. So okay, we'll see you just you. on the other side of this short ad break. Okay, thank you. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show. We meet Nathan Ginn here on Teachers Talk Radio. We're talking with Arthur Bazzi, 
Times Education Supplement Head Teacher of the Year 2022. <laughs> We've been talking about um, what it's like to be recognised at a national level. We're going to be talking now about what it's like at his school, Heron Hall Academy. Welcome back, Arthur. Thank you, Nathan. Um, so um, this is most interesting i mean it has been really interesting hearing about your where you come from your philosophy you know the man himself but i i find it really interesting when talking to head teachers and then um about their schools and where those two things in into meet um you know you talked about a, a kind of connectedness you feel you have um to your school and i think maybe in leadership sometimes we talk about and, and you've mentioned something similar earlier actually about letting a school find you uh, sometimes we talk about the idea that maybe you know a head teacher can be transplanted to any school and a leader can lead any school and you know the the, the leader and the school aren't part of the same sort of ecosystem part of the same thing so I really want to delve into finding out about Heron Hall okay. um, because you're head teacher of the year, which means you're head teacher of a school. What is Heron Hall like? So why don't we start off with kind of um, maybe talk about, because we will have international listeners as well. You, mm-hmm. You're in Enfield, so you're in London. What is the setting for the academy? Right. Um, Heron Hall is based in, in Ponders End. Um, I think I alluded to the fact already that they have a very high level of socioeconomic deprivation and crime rate is very high. However, despite those statistics, um, what we've created at Heronol um, is an oasis of calm, peace and tranquility. So amidst all the busyness of Ponder's End, when students walk into Heronol, they're, they're coming home. And therefore, we talk of Heronol as a family. That is very big for us. Um, it's, it's also bringing in mind um, the Swahili phrase Ubuntu. Ubuntu has its roots in humanist Af- African philosophy, where the idea of community is one of building blocks of the society. See, Ubuntu is that nebulous concept of common humanity oneness and that is what we have there it's it's a family the even the, the kids talk about heronol as a family so whatever the challenges they're facing whatever it is they need we try to provide a wrap around service for them um it's not unusual for us to give families voucher for full uniform it's not unusual for us to provide food supplies for our families it's not unusual for his child to come into school with trainers because i like them dressed smart i said no you know wearing the trainers go to the office and they give the child a brand new pair of shoes to wear because in there i want every child to feel they're valued and their history should not be their destiny we need to make them believe and come into an environment where they're cared for, where they're supported, where somebody tells them they believe they can succeed. That is what is happening at Heronol, and that is what is making a difference for the students. When I took over Heronol, um, it was a school of um, 520 students. Today is a school of 1,200 students. This is against a backdrop of 
schools roll falling, number of students on roll in secondary school in Enfield is dropping. Against that backdrop, we're still oversubscribed. And like I said, I don't think I'm doing anything special. What I think we try to create there is that when the students walk through those gates, they love their cared for. And don't, don't get me wrong, if they have to get sanctions, they have to get sanctions because I believe school should be a microcosm of society. They're rewarded and they're punished. That is what society is about. It's about training them that the world out there is ready for them and giving them those skills. But do it in a caring way. It's that understanding that they're different. They start at different stages in life. And it's about recognizing where they start and providing that scaffolding and support so they all can get to that point where they're liberated. That is what is happening there. And, you know, to help us imagine then, you know, the, the, the setting of this school, um, the, if you, it's harder for us on radio. I, you know, I have the, uh, the school website up in front of me so I can picture it as I go. But for our listeners, if you were, you know, if we were arriving as a, a new pupil, if we we're arriving as a, a parent of a new pupil or possibly a new member of staff and, you, and you're giving us that school tour, as, as we walk in, what are you drawing our eyes to? What are you hoping to see from, you know, either the walls or the setting or the staff and pupils that we uh, bump into? Right. So to be honest, Ethan, um, if you walk into my school um, first thing in the morning, because all my students all line up first thing in the morning, and they also line up break time and lunch time before going to the lessons. If you walk into the school when the school is all lined up first in the morning, you'll be forgiven to thinking you walked into a mini United Nations conference. Because I've got students and staff in the classroom and on the playground from every corner of the world there. There are over 65 different languages and dialects spoken in my school. 94% of the school population is from minority, minority ethnic group. It's a very rich melting pot of culture. That is what you get in here and all. And when you walk through the building, you see the building itself was, it's an old building. It used to be a Middlesex University campus. And they spent about 20, 25 million pounds refurbishing it. Now what you can see walking through the building is excellent state of the art lab and technology facility state-of-the-art computer rooms every classroom have um, um, um trolley of of laptops so students have immediate access to to the internet you walk into the into the main hall it's fully kitted out with all the bells and whistles for a modern day drama production so in terms of the facilities there is nothing wanting in heron hall and what I expect of my students, I always say to them, you need to look smart, you need to act smart, you need to dress smartly. Because if you look smart, you think smart, you act smart, you carry an impression about yourself. So I'm very strict about how they dress. I want them to dress to look like they're ready for business in the inner world, in the outer world. They're ready to take up a position of responsibility. I don't want them to walk in to think that because I dress is casual, I live in Pondi Z. I'm saying, no, I'm preparing for life, which is a life bigger than what you have right now. So your first impression goes a great way. I want you to walk in, your ties done properly, you talk properly, you behave properly. 
and that is the expectation my staff have of my children yes i'm not saying all of them are doing that it's a challenge but remember i said to you that is what inspires me is that challenge of making sure those kids are transformed where they can carry themselves with that dignity that respect so they can be seen they can be heard because at the end of the day to be honest with you nathan the future is in their hands and I don't care whether they started life in Pondezend. They could have been made, they could have been born in Pondezend, but they will be made at Heronol. And what we're making there are citizens of the future. And that is what we believe in there. Um, and it's really interesting talking to you. And I, you know, I'm I, I dislike the, um, the the spectrum that we kind of fall into with teaching, particularly on social media and sort of, uh, you know, the, the high profile books and things that happened. And we have sort of traditionalist and progressive and we have, you know, incredibly what are perceived as incredibly strict schools or schools that focuses on emotional well-being. And it seems to be that you're describing a, a middle ground where we can have high expectations, but we can have hair, um, care. Oh, yeah, I mean, yes, Nathan, because in my school, like I said, Nathan, you ought to forgive me for this because my experience in teaching has been based in this country, has been based in two schools only. Like mm. I said, my first school, I started there as an NQT, I finished there as an acting head teacher, 21 years. This is my second school. And the schools are, both schools are worked in, are located in areas of high socioeconomic deprivation in London. Therefore, my relationship with those kids and their parents is that old Latin phrase in local parentis. I see myself, we see ourselves as a parent of these children. So we support them, you know, we care for them, but we're able to care for them because we build a relationship with them and their parents. So we put boundaries, we put, we let them know what the boundaries are. And for me, the for equal is important. What I try to do, we try to do in the school, is we try to provide values for the students. For my students, they are the strive values, and those strive values, every student in Heronol can tell you about them. S T R I V E. We reward them for that. It's being supportive, being tolerant, being resilient, showing integrity, being visionary, and going for excellence. Those are strive values, and you don't get a qualification for those values, but they're equally as important, even in some cases, even more important than the academic qualification. So we're in that position where we need to build the whole child. So we, we, we look after the well-being, we look after the academic development and growth, but we also look at their culture and character development. Because like I said, what 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 we're trying to I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do at Heronol is not getting the student to pass a GCSE exam. It's getting the student prepared for the world. Some of the jobs these kids are going to go into, it's not even been invented at this point in time. So we need to give them a plethora of, of skills and tricks to be able to meet those challenges in the world. And with the kind of school I work in, you cannot do that if you don't understand where they're coming from. If you don't understand what their family background is, you need to be able to empathize with them. Yes, you need to be hard with them if you need to, but you need to also be able to support, be supportive of them. And it's that, that getting that fine balance, that is what makes the student thrive under us. 
Um, and that tells us a little bit about what you know, what you're looking for from your students, these strive values, what you're looking to try and develop in them. What do you, as a school leader, look for from your your teachers, from your staff? Then, when when you're interviewing, what is it that you want? Well, interest. It's interesting you should ask that question because on my uh, my um, interview um, um, questions, the very first question: whatever job you come to, um, apply for Heronol whether it's a support job or it's a teaching job, it's a logistics job, the very first question that you get on the, on, on the panel is why did you come into teaching or why did you apply at Heronal Academy? And that is my first question. My first question is why. They need to clarify to me what is their why. What is their story? Why? Why teaching and why Heronal? And if their response show that they have done some research on the school, then that's a good start. Because the school, that research will tell you, we're not situated in the leafy part of Enfield Town, of Enfield Borough. Now, we are situated in a challenging part of Enfield. So that's a good start if you've done your research on the school. Then if you articulate a desire to work with children from diverse background and a strong belief that a child's station in life is not necessarily determined by their heritage or their current circumstances, then you almost have a job. And if you mention the word family, then you certainly have a job. So that is what I look for. That's a top tip. So I'll, I'll note them down in case I uh, <laughs> decide to move to London. You're, um, always, you're always welcome to join the family, Nathan. Always welcome. Um, and um, so... We've heard a little bit about kind of what the the, the, the school is like, the, the setting, what you're looking for from the students, what you're looking for um, from, from teachers and from staff there, and how to build that that family and to, and to show them that there are no limits. Um, what do you try and make different, or if you you know if you see it as trying to make it different uh, at Heron Hall than to other schools? You know, you've got a growing role as you say you you know uh, becoming oversubscribed hmm. um is that a deliberate choice to make it a, a different option than than maybe other schools surrounding or other schools in the uk um to be honest i can't say what makes us different from other school around enfield i don't know because i don't certainly think we're doing anything that has never been seen or done in education before. But what I can say is that I have a team of staff who believe. I have a team of staff who see themselves as being the difference. But more importantly, they believe in the children and they believe they can make a difference in those children. And they get the children into that mindset that make them believe in themselves. That is what I think we do well there. Um, by and large, I do believe that a month after picking up a, a job at Heronol, most teachers or most members of staff just look at the job description, tear it in two and put it in the bin because they go well and above the call of duty. The, the work the staff do in that school is not even in the job description. I'll give you an example, Nathan. At the height of COVID, when the school had to lock down, we're nowhere prepared for um, um, online learning. Teachers left the families, came into school, 
in the height of COVID and we turned the school into like a Amazon um, sorting out office, bought in loads of um, um, learning resources, exercise books, pens, pencils, pulled them in envelopes and teachers were driving from door to door, taking the postcode, going all around Enfield, dropping learning resources for these children at the height of COVID. Now, that is not in any teacher's job description. Why do you do that? Unless you believe. They believe in the cause, they believe in the children. And when you go and jot some of these parcels off, when you see where some of these children live, you do know that you have a responsibility to make a difference for them. So I think for, for us, that is what is different. Again, it boils down to that word I said, Ubuntu, that family ethos, that drive to make sure every child realize and achieve their potential. It can be straight A's, I'm sorry, in, in this case, straight nines. It can be a child end up getting threes in all the subjects. But so some of our children, they come into Heronol, they have absolutely zero English language, none at all. So to get the child like that in three, four, five years, getting five with five in English language, I know it's a massive challenge because I've been there. I was in Bulgaria studying medicine in Bulgarian. I know what the challenge can be like. So that is what we do. I think we do different. Just believe in the children and just putting yourself out there to do what it takes to make it happen for them. And that must be incredibly powerful when you are, you know, even meeting new parents or um, maybe that kind of year six, year seven uh, parents evening, you know, open day. Uh, and you are talking, do you talk about your own experiences? Is it something that you um, you mention? Is it something that, that, that sort of comes across uh, with the pupils on a daily basis that you say things like that? Like, look, I, I understand I have gone a journey similar to this. So I, you know, I, I have been there. I understand how hard it can be, but I also understand that it's something that is achievable. Yeah, I, I do. I do know them because you see, interestingly, um, I live very, very close to my school. Um, door to door um, on a good day is seven minutes from between myself and the school. Wow. And so parents know I live in the area. I understand the area. My children were brought up in that area. They've gone to university, they've come back and they're living in the same area. So I'm able to relate to them and the challenges that that deals with that area. I have nothing against say, teachers who leave, I may have to drive 40, 50 miles to come into work because they live away from the school area, that's fine. But I live and breathe the environment every day with them. So I, have to, I, I relate to the challenges and I know what they're talking about. And I give them my own background as well. And that also resonates with them. But more importantly, I let them believe that what they can be is entirely down to them. Their future is in the end. All we can do is to give them the tool. And in some cases, it might mean it's not an option. In most cases, I tell them failure is not an option in the school. You have no choice. You have to succeed. Yes, different level of success, but failure is not an option. So whatever it takes, that is what we do. And parents see this. And for us, we don't do advertisement on, 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 on buses. Mm -hmm. What we do is parents telling other parents about what is happening to the child at Heronol Academy. And they believe. 
and you know you talk with a great amount of passion about the school a great amount of passion about your work what is it that makes you most proud of heron hall hmm. tough question i know well you know thinking about it right now i must be very sincere what makes me most proud about heron hall is my staff They've got this unwavering commitment and dedication to student success that is touching and endearing. Um, and like I was saying to you, Nathan, today we are out there filling up a container of resources to send to a school in Sierra Leone. Staff were there helping pack that container. A summer holiday for, for crying out aloud. Mm. They come there, they help. They do fundraising activities or things like that. They, they 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 go the extra mile every day they put clubs on without getting paid and like i said i went in there at some point in time when i received that that award to be honest if i'm being sincere with you nathan i felt like a fraud because that reward the tears actually belong to the staff they are the ones who are grafting hard yes i'm there with them because you see i don't lead from the front I don't lead from the from the back. We walk side by side by side side by staff, myself and my staff. Where I go, they go and we walk together. I don't walk in front of them. And that is why I keep saying to them, I am not a perfect leader. I'm not a hero leader. I'm an I'm a very imperfect leader. But what I have around me is all the people around me who don't massage my ego, will pull me up with the thing something's going wrong, and we'll walk together to put it right. And that is what makes a difference for us. So yes, if I must answer that, my staff and their unwavering commitment, I think they're the ones I'm most proud of. Um, and, you know, I am imposing a kind of head teacher of the year must be leading a good school. Uh, and <coughs> so people may look at you or may, may look now, you know, after hearing you and say, you know, I, I want to copy the success of Heron Hall. I want to do uh, something similar. Do you think what you do there is um, replicatable um, sort of to, to another setting? Or are you, is, it, is it something that just works where you are with the people you are? Could I, could I look at it? Could I come on a school tour and go, yep, I'm, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to start doing that. And that would work here in South Wales. Right. You see, you have to be very cautious about educational tourism, you know, to pick up a, a principle and take it elsewhere and make it work, you have to be careful how you implement that. But what I believe will work anywhere, any in the world, in any education setting, is the ethos of family. About caring for the children as if they're yours. If you have that philosophy that, if it's not good for my own biological children, it's not good for my students, then you're on the road. And that is what it's all about. It's not about, I don't think anybody should try to copy me because like I said, I am an imperfect leader. I'm not a hero leader. I'm always learning, reflecting, and trying to be a better version of myself tomorrow than I am today. But what that means is that I'm always asking for help, focus on building teams, work with individuals who we can share our weaknesses and strength together and build together. So I think that can be transported into any education setting. It's about building relationship with the children, understanding them, knowing their story, 
and caring for them as you care for your own. If you got that family ethos, that good old Latin phrase in loco parentis, if you think you're still acting in loco parentis, I think that can apply in any educational setting anywhere in the world. Fantastic. No, I, you know, I, 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 I agree that, you know, you know that, that word, that kind of educational tourism, that, 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 that taking ideas. And, you know, I think often people like to think that they've achieved something, they've written a book, uh, you know, or they, they've got a method. And, you know, I do wonder sometimes about that, uh, you know, taking it and, and, and just plonking it somewhere else. There are things certainly we can learn. And I, you know, this is an amazing, I'm learning a lot and it's wonderful to talk to you. But I think you're, you're right, you know, context is key and, and the people you serve also um, should be where it is grounded and all of your answers are coming from in a sense. Now, we've heard a little bit about yourself. We've heard a little bit about the school, Heron Hall. And when we come back, I want to hear just a little bit and ask you some questions about leadership itself. Because there, as I say, I don't want to undersell it. There may be people who have, have tuned in and gone, oh, head teacher, I want to hear about being a good head teacher. What does it mean to be a good leader? What does it mean to be... Um, you know, um, successful at school leadership. Um, so, uh, Arthur, you you happy to stay around till just after the news for us? Of course I am. Thank you. Well, we'll see you on the other side of these ads and the news. We'll see you all then. Okay, thank you, Nathan. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. England, charities and unions have warned that poorer families face grim choices and patchy support over summer. 
as they spend weeks without free school meals amid the worsening cost of living crisis. The government has resisted calls to continue free school meals over the six week break, which is a source of worry for low income families as energy bills and food prices continue to rise. Sarah Ogilvie from the Child Poverty Action Group said, the school holidays will be particularly difficult for low-income families this year, with spiralling costs piled onto the worry about lack of free school meals. Unlike in Scotland and Wales, where robust support is in place to replace free school meals, parents in England have to contend with haphazard and ill-thought-out schemes and are left scrambling to provide for their children. Jeff Barton from the Association of School and College Leaders, said his union was extremely concerned about the appalling extent of child poverty. In Reading, a campaign is underway to try and tackle pollution and poor air quality outside schools. The University of Reading has supplied the equipment to help schools tackle pollution and improve the health of pupils, staff and parents. The research is being led by Dr Hang Yang from the Geography and Environmental Science Department. He said, The school gates are one of the worst affected areas. The combination of rush hour congestion, proximity to roads and little space to move around makes for a very high level of pollution. By better monitoring the pollution throughout the day, and particularly at busy times, we can help schools to introduce processes which will decrease exposure or potentially even improve air quality in those specific areas. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week it's finally the summer break for almost everyone. This is the time when teachers realise that six weeks is a long time and although it's great to be off and doing things, it can cost a lot of money, especially if you've got kids. So, what can tech do for us to help? This episode is about letting tech come to your rescue to find cheap or free days out near you or further afield if you want to travel. This might be my least complicated two-minute tech to date. All you need is access to the internet and a search engine. If you want to make it more techy, ask Siri, Alexa or your favourite AI personal assistant. I chose the type search option. Typing cheap days out UK, feel free to replace UK with another destination, into a search engine took me to a list compiled by TripAdvisor of the 10 best cheap things to do in the UK. Ideas here range from visiting Tower Bridge to Chester Cathedral, all with ratings and advice from previous visitors. Adjusting my search a little, free days out UK found me another list from Skyscanner ranging from the Natural History Museum to the Royal Botanic Garden in Edinburgh. Then my favourite search of the day, 
three days out near me. This gave me a list of nearby places. If you allowed access to your location, then there is no need to even type the destination. If you prefer not to give that data away, then simply type the destination you're considering visiting. I was impressed by the selection of places I could go, some of which reminded me there's a lot to do in your locality and you don't always have to make a long journey. So this week, I'm going to be asking, what is a good day out near you on Twitter? Let's see if social media can give us some ideas to enjoy our summer without breaking the bank. Why not get in touch with your top tips at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what is a good, free or cheap day out near you. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. If you're just joining us, we are talking with Times Educational Supplement Head Teacher of the Year, Arthur Bazzi from Heron Hall Academy in Enfield. We've talked about what it's like to be recognised at a national level. We've talked about the school, Heron Hall, um, and we've talked a little bit about the man himself and his educational uh, philosophy. We're going to talk a little bit about leadership now and and you know um if you have listened so far if you've not if you've just joined us um, you can of course find this as a download on uh, apple on itunes on spotify all of those places where you might get your podcast downloads um you will of course be able to find it on our website ttradio.org slash listen back or if you type into the search engine there um any keywords that you can think of, you will find shows on all of those topics from the thousands of hours that we've put out on Teachers Talk Radio now from all of our hosts across all kinds of different subjects. So if you have missed the start, please, you know, uh, go back, find it and listening because there is some amazing things that we've heard already and some really interesting, you know, kind of just nuggets of wisdom. Yep, I'm going to say it, Arthur, wisdom um, from... Um, Arthur uh, Bazzi here, the, the head teacher of the year. So welcome back, Arthur. Hold on. Hi, Nathan. I'm here. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to oversell you there, but I am saying wisdom. It is, you know, I um, already, you um, are someone who I feel like I'm going to follow a little bit. I'm going to, you know, listen to, I like the way you describe education. I like the way you describe uh, Heron Hall and how it's set up and, and you know, um, what it is doing for the community that it's set in and now I did say we'd talk a little bit about leadership itself because as you know if people are tuning in to hear from the head teacher of the year they may well want to hear about those leadership aspects um so if someone wants to become head teacher of the year (laughs) And, and this is a terribly <laughs> loaded question, I know. I, I can already hear you chuckling away, but, you know, I'll, I'll put it out there. There may be people in education like this. I haven't met many, but there may be. If somebody wants to head teacher of the year, wants to win, what advice would you give to them? Nathan, I, I'm sorry, but I think you, you got me on this one because I did not set out to be one, so I don't know the recipe to be that, you know. So I will say... 
if somebody wants to do anything, they, it's a question again, what is their why? If their why in being in teaching is because they want to be a teacher of the year, in my own very humble point of view, I think the why is, is very mis misplaced. So I think primarily you should go into teaching to be a servant, to try to do your best for the children that you're serving. And if in the process of doing that, that service is recognized all well and good. But I just think I, I, I didn't come into teaching to be a teacher of the year. Uh, I came in there, I'm going in there every day. And to be honest, the teachers have to remind me sometimes they just have a go and have a joke about it because it came, uh, we see the other day and nothing has changed. I'm still the same author to them. I still operate my uh, open door policy. The students come into my office when they like, and the teachers come in when they like. I'm down there when, they, when I like, all within the playground. You'll find me on the playground skipping with the children. You find me there playing football lunchtime with the children. I don't try to put on an act. I just think, well, I want a bit of football with the, with the kids, and I go in there, I have one with them. That's just me. And if in the process of, of doing that, that is recognized, that's fine. But for me, it's all about building relationships. If your, your motive of, of going into teaching is to improve the life chances of children under your care, then you're in the right setting. If in the process of that, someone recognizes that and gives you an award, so be it, you should be proud. But I haven't got the recipe. I'm sorry to disappoint you with that answer, Nathan. <laughs> not, not at all. You know, as I was writing that question, I was kind of like, you know, this. if somebody came to me and said, you know, I want to get into teaching because I want to win awards, I'm not sure how I would take it. <laughs> now, um, what I will ask you then is if I try and reframe that question is mm -hmm. you've talked about the support you provide for people sort of earlier in their career than you currently are. So, you know, mm -hmm. people you are helping up as well. When you are looking to either teachers or middle leaders mm -hmm. what is it that you recognize as, as either qualities or things that they are doing that makes them a potentially good school leader or you know potential head teacher material right for me the things I look for is like I said I, I sincerely honestly Nathan I think the days of of hero leadership is gone for me what I hold to value is the old um, concept of imperfect leadership um, I think um, most gentleman's name Steve Mombe and did quite a lot of work on, on this around this topic of imperfect leadership. And what that means, I see a good leader as somebody who's ask, who asks for help, who manages his, his or her ego and acknowledge mistakes. I see a good leader as somebody who is a, is a restless learner, who's authentic and very, very, very keen on doing the right thing. Those are for me uh, key precepts for somebody who's a good leader, because if you if you see yourself as a hero leader, you are supposed to have the answer for every question in the school. And I don't think that's possible. I don't think perfection exists in humanity. But if you're around people who you can turn to for help, who will tell you when you're going wrong, who will not be around you to massage your ego if you think are going wrong then I think you'll make a very good leader because that is what I surround myself with. So when I use that phrase that I stand tall because I stand on the shoulders of a giant, um, it sounds very cliche, but that's, sincerely, that's what, what it is. 
I got people around me who, if I am not in school, to be honest with you, Nathan, the, the school run as if I am there. So mm -hmm. to the point where sometimes I start to get a little bit of a complex thinking, oh God, I want to put me out of a job. But that is because we have a team where, um, I, it's, it's very rich for me to say I built a team. We were built a team to share the responsibility. And when I talk about delegated responsibility, it's not about delegation. I give you the responsibility. I'm checking you every five minutes. No, I work with them. I let them go and try because they know if they're failing, they can come to me. You know why, Nathan? Because when I'm failing, I go to them. So it's that kind of authentic, honest leadership. And for me, that those are the things I look for in my middle leaders as well. There's no problem. There's no problem getting it wrong. As long as you can talk to somebody else and work as a team to put it right. And that for me is what makes it happen. And, you know, as far as, you know, we talk about, I mean, I don't want to oversell you. You know, you are still a young, vibrant man. And, and I'm talking about head teacher of the year or being a head teacher, being a pinnacle of people's careers. Okay, so there, there may be people, you know, like myself, I, at some point in the future, maybe I would do do that. And I'd be looking at your journey. Is there something you would have done differently earlier in your career? Something you would have changed about your experiences, maybe, um, or advice you would give for someone to do earlier in their career than maybe you have yourself? Oh, this the response to this one, Nathan, I'm sorry, is going to be very, very boring. <laughs> because... Um, the answer is, I don't think at this point anything, there's anything I could have done differently. And you know the reason for that mm -hmm. is because I listened to my tutor in King's College a good 26 years ago when I was doing my PGC, Kate, mm -hmm. when she said to me, Arthur, don't find the school, let the school find you. So I've had no regrets because <clears throat> my school, the two schools have been extremely challenging schools. I'll tell you what, I was walking down, um, coming from a Black Men Teach conference about three weeks ago where I did a presentation, and I went down the street, and I thought I'd get a coffee. I went in to get a coffee, and the lady behind the, the um, counter said to me, oh, Mr. Barzi. I thought, wow, she's in university. She's just doing some uh, weekend work. I finished my coffee, I was walking back to the conference and I passed a couple. Two minutes later, the couple called me back. And guess what? Another student, she is now a medical doctor. In one Saturday, I swear to God, my colleagues were with me. They might be listening, they can verify this. In one Saturday, I met two students, one medical doctor, one in university, right there in central London tell you what there is no greater satisfaction than that senior students transform and become better people so have i got regrets no it's work at um hair and oil challenging yes it is but that's why i'm there so sorry like i said it's going to be a boring answer but there's nothing uh, i can ch uh, think i'll have done differently i went to a challenging school i think you know that is my why my why is to be there, if I can, represent those who feel they are marginalized so they can think and believe they can achieve better. And for all the 
um, um, school educators who are of black and ethnic minority thinking, well, actually, we can also do that because 1% of leadership, school leadership in the United Kingdom is black and ethnic minorities. Mm -hmm. That is not representative of the students we're teaching. So I cannot change anything, but I'm very proud of why I am because at least I might be able to convince others actually they can do it as well. No, yeah, I know you say that's a boring answer. I find it, inc you know, an incredibly interesting and, a, you know, a really impassioned answer, particularly this idea, you know, and I think sometimes we fall into it and I have been guilty of it <clears throat> earlier on in my career. I think, you know, as a younger uh, man, as a younger teacher looking to promote and trying to do things that, you know, you know, the, these, these kind of false narratives we get of, you know, actually you need to have but, you know, two schools and move on, you know, two years at this school, then move on, then seek promotion, then do this, then do that. And the reason in the end that I slowed down was because it was taking me further away from the thing that I wanted, my, my reason for teaching, which was, you know, I guess similar to yours in some ways of, of helping people um, to become the best that they can be even if maybe the odds are stacked against them to begin with um and you know i there is sometimes a careerism i think that that maybe goes against that and actually yeah i love this idea of let the school find you and that the, there is a right school i'm going to ask you a, maybe a tougher question on that point though is do you think you, or maybe, you know, we can talk about it as the third person, do you think a teacher is a good teacher at any school? Or do you think that, you know, there, there is a right school for people to flourish in? Well, I, I think a good teacher is a good teacher in any school. Mm. Again, it goes back to what is your why? And if the why is not correct for that setting, that will make you a bad teacher. That's right. the way I see it. Why, why are you there? That's how I said to you, my very first question in my interviews, why teaching, why hair and all? What is your why? And I believe that you can flourish in any school if you got your why right. So that is what I believe. And like I said, my teachers come there and they say, I have teachers who have left and gone and come back. Like I said, it's not the easiest school. It's challenging, but why do they come back? Because that is the why. That school is the why. That school is the story. That is the story they want to tell, that they came, they saw, they delivered. I don't say they conquered, but at least they delivered. And they delivered to the best of their ability. And I think a teacher can be a good teacher in any school if you got your mindset right. What is your why? Why are they doing it? Why are they there? If they're there to get um, a teacher of the year, then I think that's a bit of a difficult one. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. You know, I think you know, that is a tough why to, to, to fulfill in in some settings mm. and go in and, you know, and deal with some of the challenges that you, you, people have to face in some schools. I think having strong why is, you know, incredibly important. Now, I'm just jotting down, we've had standing on the shoulders of giants, uh, we've had I'm, I'm putting down as what is your why as 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 a you know a quote that i am going to be attributing to you and let the school find you do you have um sort of a favorite quote do you have uh, a mantra are you one of these head teachers that has quotes plastered across the, the the corridors in the school or maybe up in your office 
No, I, I don't, you know. And, you know, and I don't sit down and think about these things. And um, for me, when they come to my head, it, it formulates itself in there and it comes out in some shape or form. And, you know, um, so what I said there about, you know, about the history is not the destiny. I've not had it before, probably it's been said, but I just, that is, again, that is my why. Because I just believe where they start from should not determine where they end. The fact that, you know, they're from impoverished background, they're in challenging background, shouldn't mean the rest of their life should be challenging. So that's what I believe in. And when you ask me about, about favorite quotes, well, these things come to my head and, and one that I, am, I don't write these things up that I always think about, which is very important to me, is knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And that is very important. You need to know yourself and that's the beginning of all wisdom. You need to know your, your threshold, your challenges. You need to know yourself. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And that applies for the students as well. They need to know themselves. But more importantly, we need to know them. So if we know ourselves, if we know our children, success is the outcome. I really like that one as well. Like, I, you know, I've got a few there. I, I had forgotten about the history is not the destiny um, uh, phrase. And, I, you know, I love that as well. You know, I, I find, you know, some of this conversation, the, the, the honesty that you have when talking about your school or the, the maybe it is the humility. You know, you've talked about this humbleness um, before um, and this idea, you know, I don't know what people would expect. I know we, we, we've taglined it head teacher of the year and I've tried to push on you to be, you know, to try and make you sort of answer some arrogant points or some some you know flamboyant maybe I don't know but it keeps coming back to this kind of humble servant uh, leadership type type um, uh, emphatic leadership as you've said um, uh, points which you know I find incredibly persuasive in a in a school setting. Um, so it's been absolutely lovely uh, to talk to you about these things and to, and to gain some of that wisdom um, from you. Now, what, what's next for Heron Hall? What's next for you? What's next for the school? Oh, uh, we are we are in the next phase of a, of a journey, really. Um, things have been going so well, and um, the sea is very keen. I'm very keen about this as well. So we're going to start a um, uh, six-month provision in 2023. So oh. that's the next stage. So, yeah. Um, those, that's very exciting. I've got um, um, I'm assistant head teacher as well, who is leading on that, who's very keen and working very hard to make that happen. And you see, it's going to be a challenge as well because all the other secondary schools around us all have their own six one provision. But like I said, the whole thing I'm trying to create, or we're trying to create at Heronor, especially with the NCSC, the trust, because it's the trust has three primary schools. And what we're trying to create is a cradle to career kind of provision. So we'll take them from the starting preschool and take them all the way to post 16. So that is the challenge there. So our six-term provision is starting in 2023, and we hope to keep most of our students because we did a survey. And most of the, the students said, actually, if we have the six-term provision here, they'll stay. Again, it's because of that family ethos. The children are going to grow someday. They're going to fly the nest. But before they fly the nest, we want to make sure the wings are strong and their beaks are hard so they can fly and they can feed. That's all we're trying to provide there. 
and it must be I, I imagine that having that sixth form will provide a lot of um, <clears throat> maybe enjoyment isn't the right word but the, it must be hard for you sometimes when you have children until 16 and you are setting these these high expectations of you know being if you want to Cambridge is there Oxford is there that those you know um, whatever career path you want and then them not disappearing but losing touch with them maybe and losing the support network that you've provided so well for them for a couple of years before they go on to university so I imagine that this will be um, an, an incredibly fulfilling part to be able to bridge that gap for them indeed indeed and I, I think i think the parents actually want that as well because that has been very popular because we need a survey of the parents as well that's been very popular to be honest Nathan, you will be surprised to know that even after the gcs is finished the students come there we need to keep them away volunteering to work in departments they are there wow. every day so we have to sign them in allocate certain students to certain departments. they're there every single day i mean not the whole school Quite a few of them have traveled, gone on holidays, because like I said, you know, um, we are from all over the world, you know, some of them have traveled, but it's uh, quite a number of them come there volunteering to work in different departments. They are not ready to leave the family as yet, so why should we let them go? The family is good. The family yeah. is thriving. Well, you know, it does sound fantastic. And possibly then, and, and it does hear that you've um, taught some um, young people who have gone on to be teachers. Have you had anyone come back to work in Heron Hall, who you've taught? Well, the, yeah, well, not at Heron Hall. In my previous school, I had two there who came back to, to teach there. Actually, I had one who applied in the Heron Hall for um, deputy um, head teacher position last year, one of my ex students. Unfortunately, there was a stronger candidate. But mm. yes, I've, well, interestingly, and this is very embarrassing, um, I've got um, children there who have taught their parents <laughs> from my previous school. Yeah. So I'm going through the second generation of my students now. <laughs> but, you know, I did once work with a gentleman who had taught three generations. I'm not oh, sure how he managed friend. that, but three <laughs> generations. Um, Hopefully not to me. <laughs> you, know, he, you know, I don't think retirement was ever for him. But, you know, it, it, it does happen. And that, you know, is an amazing thing and an amazing credit that, you know, is keeping, as you say, that family alive. And keeping it successful now it is time for us to end it's been absolutely phenomenal to talk to you and i've really enjoyed it, it you know the the as i say you know i think there is a lot of wisdom there and i think you know there is the humbleness that you present it with uh, belittles maybe the amount of wisdom and, and and thought that you have um put in to not just supporting other people but supporting the young people as well so thank you so much for coming and sharing it with us Thank you. Thank you for having me, Nathan. I don't know about the wisdom, but you know what? Thank you very much. You've been very kind and I'm very, very, very grateful being here today. So I'm happy to come back whenever you need me. Oh, well, you know, it'd be lovely to talk to you about some other bits and pieces, particularly, okay. you know, I think people working in some, you know, if you can get education to work in the most challenging settings, then I think it's worth everyone listening to and people to reflect on from any school. You know, I think that's really is, you know, is where it's at and what people should be talking about for education, because we can't let, uh, you know, it can't just work for the people who are already OK. I agree with you. I can agree with you. And that exactly is my philosophy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much for being on. If you only have just joined us right at the end, don't forget, visit ttradio.org slash listen back or find us on Spotify, iTunes, 
Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, within five minutes or so, this show will be live on there. Well, not live, sorry. We'll be listened back on there, uh, and you'll be able to catch up if you miss the start. Um, thank you, Arthur. Uh, from South Wales, we say Nostar, which is good night in Welsh. So Nostar. Nostar, Nathan. Nostar. Nostar. <laughs> You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.